Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. Hi, I'm buzzing to be joined today by Ollie Magnus. Ollie is the CEO of Magnus Group, which was founded by his father. They're a transport company that are based in Ipswich and they do transport, logistics and warehousing as well. He's absolutely fascinating and wears his heart on his sleeve and it's been a really, really insightful podcast. I really enjoyed interviewing Ollie and I really hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. So the red light's rolling. I'm absolutely buzzing to be joined today on a Half Dozen Things podcast by Ollie Magnus. Uh, Ollie is the CEO of Magnus Group and uh, they're a transport company and as listeners will know uh, my business flagship partners we, we provide services to, to the transport sector and I've got a particular love of the sector as well and it's absolutely amazing to have Ollie agree to join me today uh, I've been watching him on LinkedIn for a little while we've been connected and engaging with each other on a few of our posts and uh, I, I really love that Ollie's just so honest and transparent in the way that he goes about business, which is quite unlike many others in our sector. And, um, you know, I, I find his post really insightful. So it's definitely worth a follow. But Ollie, are you able to just introduce yourself a little bit for the listeners, please? Yeah. Hi, hi, hi everyone. Um, so I'm Ollie Magnus, obviously. Um, I'm the CEO of Magnus Group, which was a company my father started originally as Paul Magnus Transport in the 70s. Uh, it's a transport warehousing company. We, we have 60 odd trucks, 225,000 square foot warehousing, uh, freight forwarding department near, and we're based 20 miles from the Port of Felixstowe. Uh, I came here in last year, last July. I had a freight forwarding business that I sold 50% of and bought my dad's business partner out. Um, and here I am, and it's the start of a very long journey, but it's, uh, it's been good fun so far. Awesome. Awesome. And it's an absolutely fascinating story as well. And I can't wait for the listeners to be able to understand a bit more of the journey Ollie's been on. So to give you to give you a bit of an understanding that that Magnus was a it was a family business. And it appears for all intents and purposes that you're a second generation business owner, but actually it's nothing like that at all, is it? And uh, and and it sort of completely dispels uh what 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 people would expect. Um Ollie's half dozen things are, are are fascinating, and I'm really looking forward to sort of de- delving into those with him. Uh, they're the journey so far, understanding mental health, partnerships gone wrong, self confidence, building a team and teamwork, and obviously the future as well. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to discussing with these with you. So can you tell me a bit more, please, Ollie, about what the journey is so far? So how I've ended up here. So so my my personal journey. Um, I went to private school from seven to 18 um loved it but 
it's a massive cotton wool existence, if you like. Um, so it's fantastic. Got some great friends, of lifelong friends I've made out of it. But I, I left there not, not really understanding the real world, if you like, and went, went straight into working in a warehouse because I was going, I was trying to save money to go to Australia to go traveling. So my father was from Australia. So I've always had a bit of an affinity with there and I decided I wanted to go and spend a year traveling. So I worked in a warehouse for 18 months. That was a culture shock of the highest order, got to say. But it taught me, it's probably probably one of the best life lessons I've ever had actually is going from, from a, uh, a very privileged existence to, to working in a warehouse. Um, and it taught me, I, I probably learned more in that 18 months about life than I think I've, I've learned before then, or probably since then. You know, there's some met some great guys. Had such a such a great time, but for the first four months, people didn't speak to me. Pretty much, uh, it was really weird. I was kind of this. I, I was called posh twat, <laughs> all those sort of things. But... <laughs> did, did you get the old briefcase wanker? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's his name off the in betweeners? <laughs> um, but, but within three or four months, I, I was kind of one of the lads and enjoying it. You know, my, my sister said I developed a different accent to what I'd gone in with. But it was great. I loved it. It was it was really good. And it's put me in such great stead for, for where I am now and the journey I, I've been on. Um, because, you know, I, I do think, I, I think nobody's better than anyone else. We're all human beings. You know, yeah. I really hate people thinking they're better than somebody Definitely. else. We're, we're all the same. Um, as they say, we all shit the same. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah. but when I when I kicked off back in the day when I left school, so I was quite fortunate. I, I I didn't go to private school, but I grew up in Cambridge area, and it was quite. I, I suppose it was it become affluent over time. I think when my parents had moved there, it wasn't anything particularly special. It was just a you know we were like sort of in a village just outside Cambridge. But over time, Cambridge became became posher yeah. and the value and the house values increased and actually i think i was just lucky i went to a normal school but it was a really you know the school was really good and i, I was quite fortunate and when i ended up leaving college i went and worked in kitchens as a chef and then yeah. onto like front of house as well and uh running pubs sort of at 18 19 20 that sort of thing um that cut my teeth big time into yeah. You know, you learn the communication skills, particularly when you're dealing with people from all different walks of life and realize that you have to coexist and everyone has their own point of view. And that, that you know, that's where you sort of nurture that, that emotional intelligence yeah. able to deal with people from all different backgrounds. Would you sort of agree with that? And that, that's sort of the experience you had? A hundred percent, a hundred percent emotional intelligence. I mean, um, I don't think I'm very intelligent, actually, but well, people tell me I'm not all the time, but <laughs> that's horrible yeah. um, don't listen to the haters on it <laughs> yeah i think i think i'm emotionally intelligent because because i've had an understanding of all walks of life you know no, not you know going, going to private school is not a badge of honor it's if, if anything people think of it as the other way um but you have to have a rounded experience of of the world um and i do think i i have had that and emotionally, being emotionally intelligent is a skill. You know, I, I know plenty of people that aren't. Yeah, got you, got you. With, with regards, I just want to draw it back a little bit. You were looking to travel to Australia. Was that yeah. was there a particular reason that you wanted to go to Australia, obviously from a family background? Yeah, just, just because um, I'd left school. I didn't go to university. 
Um, at the time, I regretted that. Uh, I don't really regret it now. But I just wanted to travel. I always had an affinity with um, with Australia. Uh, went on a cricket tour uh, straight from school. Uh, so I'd left school and then we went on a cricket tour afterwards. So I'd left it and then I stayed over there for a little bit. But I paid my own way. You know, I wasn't I wasn't handling anything. And I did that by working in the warehouse. I, I probably did it because I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Mm. You know, it, it, I didn't have a I didn't have a set career path. I didn't leave school and say, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I didn't really want to fall into to the Magnus group at the time. Mm. To be honest, I wanted to make my own way. Yeah. Um, and I came, and then I went travelling, and then I came back and ended up getting a job at um, Conship Container Lines, so shipping. So I, I, I kind of fell into the logistics industry. So it was a, it was a friend of my dad's, um, chap called Chris Gray, very nice man. Um, and I worked there for four years. Um, then I went back to Australia. I was always unsettled as a kid. I was always not not really sure what I wanted to do. And that's, and that's quite a, um, a dangerous thing to have, you know, so, certain people go, right, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer or, you know, I didn't come out of school with, with a great education, um, you know, in numbers or whatever, but I came out with a great life education, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, my, you, you look at my CV, I've probably made it up what's on there, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> um, Don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so not having an, an actual direction that you want to go in is quite, is quite confusing. And I just t- took the job because I thought, well, well, why not? We'll do it. Had a great four years there. Met some really brilliant people who I'm still in touch with now. Yeah. Um, and it taught, taught me different aspects of shipping imports exports blah 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 but i had this itch to go traveling again yeah um because i'd had a year out there i'm a i'm a massive cricket fan so i'd I'd gone to watch cricket while i was over there just so happened the ashes was on so it was perfect timing i jacked in the job at conship um and went over with a girlfriend at the time uh when was that so that was 97 and unfortunately i had a my first day in Sydney, I fell off a balcony. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I went to see. Um, I, saw, I went to see my friend who was over there, and I'd been I'd been in Hong Kong with my girlfriend and her friend for a week, staying with my auntie because my auntie lived in Hong Kong. Uh, and those who know me know I'm a I'm a real boys' boy. So spending a week with my girlfriend and her mate, I was desperate for beers with my with my friends. Um, so we kind of met up, met up. I get really overexcited when I meet my mates and a few beers are on the table. Um, and we, we just, and literally I went over the top. Yeah. It was, it was a balcony. Literally. Yeah, it was a, um, it was actually a fourth story building. Um, or it was, I was on the fourth floor, um, but it had a garage underneath. So effectively it's fifth story, if you like. Uh, I don't remember it. I was shedded. Um, I don't remember it at all. And then I basically woke up. I was in intensive care for I think it was 11 or 12 days. Um, and I had no idea where I was, no idea what was going on. I was full of pethidine and morphine. <laughs> um, I actually woke up next to a bear in bed with me. That's how fucked up I was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, 
it's just really weird. And it took me about a week to get to get back to normal, um, as in get back to normal. Get get your head around it. Yeah, mate. get my head around what was going so, on. I, I love that you've just talk, talked about waking up with the bear by your bed. So I some listeners may know or may not know, but back in, in 2003, 17 years ago, I, I had a lung hemorrhage. I was in, I was in uh, intensive care on, on a life support machine for, I've still got the tracheotomy. Um, yeah. And uh, how many days? Uh, I was, I was unconscious for four weeks. I do. So you've um, beaten me then. I'm, I'm really competitive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. I was, I was going to start talking about cricket and then this is just taking a totally different turn. Um, do you know what? But, um, it's very unusual to be able to speak to someone who's had a similar sort of thing. And the drugs really fuck you up, really, oh. really fuck your head up. And yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, I was convinced that all the nurses were trying to kill me, which apparently is really right. normal. Now I'm told that's really normal. Um, but I was adamant, I was adamant that they'd, they'd stole, stolen my, my knob, um, yeah. <laughs> which people will think, go, go, Oh my God, this is barmy. But apparently like, because you have the catheter and everything. So obviously everything's yeah. out of action. Um, yeah you're kind of subliminally or subconsciously aware that nothing's really working properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, apparently it's really common. So I was adamant they'd, they'd chopped it off and stolen it. <laughs> uh, one of the dreams was that they'd eaten it. Um, yeah. But genuinely... <laughs> We've I'm, all had those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't need intensive care for that. But yeah, the, all, all, the, all the drugs, they really mess your brain up. And it, like you say, it took you about a week probably to just even realise where you yeah. were or in a bed. Uh, I, I wouldn't disagree with that because it, uh, it takes so much time to wash them out of your system. And I was, you know, I was adamant people were trying to kill me and stuff. You know? Yeah, well, to, well, I was, so I broke my back in five different places, um, broke all my ribs, broke bones in my neck, snapped my leg in half. I, I was amazingly lucky to live, let alone... Uh, to ever be able to walk again. Um, but I didn't have, I, the only operation I had was on my leg. I had a big plate steel rod stuck in my leg because I broke my tibula and fibula, um, whatever it's called. Um, and that was, so I had to lay flat on my back for three months, 12 weeks, I think it was, staring at the ceiling. I couldn't move. And you know, I didn't move once, I don't think. That, that's where the human, the brain is amazing. Although I was still, I wasn't strapped down or anything. You know, I just had to lie flat. But fuck, was it boring? You know, I, I could recite Inspector Morse backwards. I think I watched so much of that. But you know, my parents flew over, not knowing what they were going to find. To be honest, yeah. because I was in. Well, if you're in intensive care, you you're in real trouble, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and the they, mortality and they, rates one in two. So once once you're in yeah. once you're in intensive care, yeah, they say you got a fifty fifty chance. Generally, for every yeah. two people go in, one come out. Yeah, um, okay, I didn't know that. So so that so that you know, and my my girlfriend at the time came in every day. Uh, poor poor girl. Um, my sister flew over. It was it was it was just a real surreal time of uh, just dealing with it. You know, you got. Listen, this is what's happened, Ollie. You've got you've got two choices. You either deal with it or you don't, you know. But all your lumbar spine and everything, I think I think L2 is the one. If you damage that, you're paralyzed. Uh, so I, I smashed L1, L3, L4, L5, and L2 is absolutely fine. You look at the it, it, you look at the x-ray, it's unbelievable. You know, the chances if the doctor at the time said, you know, you is unbelievable that you've managed to, to do this. 
you know, it's typical Ollie Magnus fall in a bowl of shit and come out smelling of roses. <laughs> um, um, that actually I survived, you know, and, and two years to the day, you know, I played football again. Yeah, incredible. Um, that was one of my things that kept me going was I was adamant I was going to run the marathon. I was adamant yeah. that I've never run the marathon. I'm not even a runner. I'm, I, I couldn't look less like Mo Farah if I tried <laughs> apart from the ball dead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always been football or, or what have you. And um, yeah, for some reason I was like, right, I'm going to run the marathon and I'm going to do it for charity and blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of like one of the goals I'd set that I'd end up achieving to do. To do. Yeah. And, um, you kind of set yourself those physical challenges. And what, one you, of, need them. you need that. Yeah. You need to have something to aim for. I do. You know, I, I, I think I lost, I was seven stone after the, and, and I was probably 11 and a half, I think. When I went in there, yeah, uh, I was seven stone. I looked like uh, I have skin and bone. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I could yeah. really do with that diet now. I've got gone. <laughs> you and me uh, both. I went from <laughs> ninety kg down to seventy. Yeah. I lost twenty kilos, but it's all muscle as well. That's the problem. Yeah, what people don't realise is how hard that is to learn to walk again, uh, and be able to yeah, move. Yeah. Well, I, it's I steps to, a day, you know. That's all it is. When I when I used to send my sister um, birthday cards because she's three years older than me. And I remember sending her one um, saying, Here, here's to your Zimmer frame or something. She'd have only been in her late 20s or something. Uh, and there was me six months later learning to walk again with a Zimmer frame. Yeah. It's, it's karma. But that, it, that is the most, the weirdest thing ever when you, your brain knows how to walk, but you yeah. just physically cannot do it. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it, it fucks with your head. It yeah. does. It's, uh, yeah, it does. And, and 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 the other thing is, is so we're going to move on to mental health in a mo. And and I, I had some real challenges in my twenties um, following following the situation because the whole world and their mum thought I was the luckiest guy alive. Yeah. I was really, really lucky. Really lucky. Everyone goes, "You're so lucky to be here." Like you were the illest person in that intensive care unit, and you've survived, and it's amazing. And I, yeah, you know, does I, that, I fought does that some make... demons. Huh? Does that make you feel guilty though? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So you yeah. get, and, and I now know, now that I know more about mental health, yeah. I felt massive guilt, racked and racked with guilt because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, and, and obviously like people's beliefs and religion and, and what have you, and our oh, God was looking down on you and whatever it may be that people believe in. But I genuinely, I just believe I was, I was a lucky sod. But actually, yeah. people tell you you're lucky so much, you just feel massively guilty. You realise all of the financial investment made. You know, they 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 someone someone totaled up that they reckoned that I'd had like a couple of million quids worth of NHS care to to little old me to be here still, and that yeah. makes you this survivor syndrome. Like, why me? Like, yeah. Yeah. part of it is you, you. What I found, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but part of part of it made me feel like. I'm really lucky. I've got extra time. Nothing, you know, nothing's going to stand in my way. I'm literally going to break down walls. Uh, no one's going to get in my way. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to crack on. But then the other part of me was just like riddled, you know, the bit that lay awake at night, like riddled with guilt. Like, yeah. why me? Okay. It shouldn't be me. And I'm fucking this up. And whenever something goes wrong, it's like, I should know better. I should be better. You know, I've seen the worst that life can throw at you. Yeah. And then all that time, I realised what I was struggling was, with was like PTSD, but then yeah. I felt total guilt because I'd got mates that were out serving in a war and stuff, you know, and they're yeah. coming back and they've got PTSD because they've seen people die and get shot and stuff. But actually, in reality, I did see people getting wheeled out with, you know, the, the white cloths over them and stuff like that. It was quite horrific. But at the time, I was just like, 
I felt like a fake. I felt like a fraud. There was no, there was no way of getting away from feeling like a bit of a fraud, really. That's so, totally. Yeah, the second thing for you was mental health, Ollie. So yeah. there you go. Well, well, <laughs> you the ball. Well, I was just laughing about when um, after the accident had happened, my mum, my mum was like, "Well, I assume you're going to give up drinking now." Fuck that! I can't wait to go out and smash. <laughs> Um, you know, you look at it one of two ways, don't you? You either go, you know, I, I, certain people would go, the, take that as a lesson, whatever. And I, I, I don't know, how did I? I was, I'm very much now, and this was this was this was in 1997. So I was that 23 years ago. But but in that 23 years ago, in that 23 years, I'm very much live for the moment now. Yeah. Um, you know, because you don't know what's around the corner, and we've all got friends who who had things ha happen to them but that actually does make you feel more guilty that that you you're still here if you know what i mean because you know that it wasn't just that in 2015 my um heart stopped wow. so i was just watching my son play football very randomly and uh i just blacked out killed killed over um and my my heart just very kindly decided to stop and th that really freaks you out um, and then, then I've been rushed to hospital, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it, and it happened, cut a long story short, it happened four times in a day. But what, what was really weird was when it was happening, I kind of knew it was coming because I get really bad deja vu. Yeah. Um, and I get, and, and basically it was stop. my heart was stopping for 14 seconds, 14, 15 seconds, and then restarting again. Wow. But I get this real overwhelming. Say again? Were you conscious when that was happening? Um, well, when it when the heart stopped, no. So I just totally blanked out. Wow. Um, so I was about, I went to went to Austria and they did all the blood tests and everything. Um, and they were about to discharge me. And then, and then the consultant came and then I just had another episode. It's actually perfect timing, if you like, that the guy was there. Then they put all monitors on me and, and my wife was there. Um, and then suddenly I just, I knew it was coming and then I just, I just blacked out and then there was no one in the room. And then suddenly I'm surrounded by 15 people. So they've all rushed in. Um, and, and the heart was stopping it. And it was, it turned out I was in hospital for six days, took ages to work out, turned, turned out with something called sinus node disease or something. Um, but it's, it, there, there was definitely an element of stress in it. Um, but because, and we'll come on to this in a minute, I'm sure, where I'm very good at hiding things, but I, I kind of, I was told it was stress-related, certainly had a factor in it, but I didn't tell anyone mm. because I didn't want to be seen to be, I don't know, weak or yeah. whatever that I've allowed stress to, to, to get the better of me, if you like. Um, but stress, stress is a killer, but that, you know, that, that's another thing that kind of fucks with your head. I'm speaking to my kids saying, I'll see you tomorrow when I'm in hospital on the day it's happened, when I genuinely have no idea what the hell's going on. And genuinely. my wife even said to me, how, how, can you, how can you say that to them when you don't know? Well, what the fuck do you want me to say? You say, yeah, I might see you tomorrow. I'll hopefully see you tomorrow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you can't. You don't really know what to say, do you? You've got to reassure the kids, haven't you? You've got to reassure the kids. I think, um, if well, if you didn't have PTSD after your uh, fall from the thing, I was, I was actually reflecting on that and thinking, 
one of the things that caused like me so much pain was that I didn't I didn't know if it had come back. And have you felt that way with with the heart situation? Have you felt that fear of like it reoccurring if you push yourself um, too hard, that sort of thing? Well, I, I have a I have a little implanted friend now uh, yeah. to stop it doing it. Which at the time I hate. Well, I hated it. I hate, but at the end of the day, it's it gives you a bit of a bit of a reassurance that you, yeah. But I don't think you know. I have I have checks now and then, and it doesn't. It hasn't hasn't happened again. Yeah, that's so, so, but so that makes you think actually, because I, you know, I was pretty stressed out at the time, and it clearly did have an effect. If I had a real problem, it would be happening all the time, mm. wouldn't it? But but the the I I had much bigger issues mentally over the accident in '97 than the did you? Yeah, then the. Um, I, I actually talk about the the drugs we had and everything in hospital. I I went to um, Amsterdam on a stag do, and really stupidly, really stupidly, I took magic mushrooms or something yeah. or whatever it was, just because um, I ruined that stag do. Did you? <laughs> for, for a couple of my mate, one of my mates had to take me home um, because I still had the drugs in the system from two or three years previous. Yeah. And it can Roger Rabbit was 100% driving the taxi home. Honestly. <laughs> I mustn't laugh, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I tried to jump out of the taxi. My poor mate, I completely ruined his stag do. And, and, uh, and that's so unlike me, I've got to be honest, and my mum's listening to this, I promise you drugs has not, not been a thing of something I've really done much of. Of course. Of course at all, yeah. to be honest. Um, and... And that complete that scared the absolute shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and, and I, I did say the drugs from two or three years previous are still in your system. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? That, just that long. Just pulling pulling back onto onto sort of the, the the mental health side of things, Ollie. We we talked a little bit like off air before about like being open and and stuff. And one of the things I've admired about the way you you project yourself on on linkedin is that you're very open and honest about about things and how things are going and um that that's refreshing it's genuinely refreshing and um one of the things that that we do as a business is mental health training and i i really enjoy doing uh the mental health training particularly with men particularly as we do it as part of our driver cpc training we we spend a half day with the guys and there's a lot of stigma And, and for those listening that aren't sure what stigma is that's essentially shame like particularly as men that we're shamed into believing that we can't talk about mental health we can't talk about our thoughts or how things are and and how things have been and um one of the things that i like to try and spread the message and actually there's loads of youtube videos about it and that actually showing that vulnerability is actually there's a real courage in it so i've been brought up you know and we talk you know there's a generational difference like my dad i was brought up by my dad to be like sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me and that that was the thought that was the thought at the time you know people could you know would say things and and they couldn't hurt you or are you a man or a mouse and it's like this sort of man up mentality which is absolutely fine and i'm not knocking not knocking the way that was because that is that was how things were um but over time we've evolved and we can be more honest about how things are and I think, um, I, I, you know, I just want to say I sort of admire and keep being honest, keep being honest, because I think that's being a beacon. Um, one of the things uh, you mentioned earlier was being a fan of cricket. Freddie Flintoff went on uh, BBC One and done a documentary about his bulimia. I don't know if you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating, fascinating documentary. Um, and, um, 
you know, how the shame, you could just see the shame he felt when he talked about this eating problem that he'd got. But because he had been slated by the media in his yeah. teens for being fat, you know, he's had a lifelong issue. And for him to stand up and be counted and, and say, do you know what, I've had this, I think uh, I think there's a real strength in that as well. What, what are your thoughts on that, Ollie? Well, it's interesting you say about the um, generation thing, because I said earlier, my old man was from Australia. I loved him to death, obviously, but I would never have a conversation with him about mental health because he'd say, I saw a load of bollocks, you know, or, <laughs> um, all that sort of thing. And since he's died, it's probably become a bit easier to talk about it. But the, the, the only people who understand it, in my view, properly, are people who have experienced it. Um, you know, I get... I get people say, you know, the whole honesty thing on, on LinkedIn, you know, 99% of people come back and are really positive about it. Yeah. Um, but not everyone is, you know, I've had people send me messages saying you need to man up and you need to, but that, yeah. I mean, how helpful is that? Yeah. It's not really, is it? You know, not at all. Um, everybody has mental health. Everybody has physical health, but not everybody you know, we can go and get a fitness test or we can go, and, I don't know, get, get some sort of health check. Yeah. But how, how, do you, how do you have a mental health check? You know, it's very difficult. Yeah. But, but there's still that, it's still a taboo subject of, you know, um, you can't really talk about it. You, you can't, why can't you talk about it? You know, uh, I've said a couple of things and people have said to me, um, you shouldn't be doing that because of the position you're in it in in the business um you know you've got people work who work for you thinking oh he's got but actually you can flip that on its head and say i'm probably better positioned to be talking about it than than somebody else you know what i'm not afraid to admit i've had my issues in the past um i, I probably still do to be honest um if i get tired i'm I'm fucking useless. Everything is shit. Yeah. Everything is really bad. Uh, the world's going to collapse. My business is going to collapse. I have, I have some sleep and I'm, I'm a, I'm a lot better. Good why go, can't yeah. we talk? Why can't we talk about it? You know, why can't we actually be honest? If that makes me a weaker person than somebody else, then honestly, Pete, I don't give a shit. Yeah, and that, that, that's such a refreshing attitude to have, though. And and people will go, yeah, it does make you a weaker person. But I, my belief is that it doesn't. It makes you a stronger person. I think I got to a point where I, you hide stuff, don't you? You just yeah. hide. You hide the real you. You just put a face on for everyone else, and you're like, do you know what? You can't really see me. You can't. You don't really know how I feel. You don't really understand. And there's absolutely hundreds of thousands of guys out there who are just doing the same thing and just hiding it. And you know what? We can just carry on playing the game and acting or yeah. we can actually just be honest about it and just put it out there and, and not give a fuck about what other people say. And I, I think I've grown to a point where that's kind of how I feel. I don't really give a fuck. Yeah. Some people, I'll put stuff out there and some people will go, you chat some shit about mental health. And they, they do, to, you know, people do yeah. say that to me. And and you know what? Like, I'm speaking my truth and and I'm not, I'm not going to hide me for anyone anymore. You know, and that, that's just kind of how it is. Yeah, it's it's one of the I I sit here I can sit here and say I don't give a shit what people think about me and to be honest that would probably be bollocks because I do give a shit what people think about me. Yeah. Um 
and the, potentially a weakness of mine is I, I like to be liked. Yeah, and I do too. And that's been a real issue. It's been a people pleaser. Yeah, real, yeah, real problem. But it, but it, but it was a criticism of mine um, that I like to be liked. Um, but that's just me, you know. But uh, people, people go walk around trying to be something they're not. And I've did that for years. Did it for years trying to be someone I wasn't because I was always trying to prove myself to people. But but one of the most important things you should do is be yourself. You know, if people don't like who you are, so, so be it. You know, not everybody's going to like you. Um, but but I think you have to be honest to yourself. If you don't like yourself, how are people going to like you? Yeah. You know? Um, uh, and pe- people have to like the real you and, and not somebody who isn't, isn't you. And it's actually quite mentally draining trying to be something you're not. Mm. You are who you are. You are. You know, we've all gone on this journey of life, which has made us the people we are. I like to think I'm a nice person. I, I very much respect people, um, but I want that in return. I, I, I want yeah. to treat people how I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I've been accused 1,000 times that I'm too nice to people, but that's me, you know? And, yeah. and, and, and as I sit here now, I think it's done, it's done, me, done me okay. You know, I don't. I, I never get the point of being an arsehole no. to people. What is the point of being an arsehole? And actually, if you're an arsehole, I think you're actually quite insecure in yourself. You're a bully. You're trying to be, trying to, uh, you know, narcissistic or, or whatever. I, I just don't get it. You know. Um, yes, we all have our moments where we're not nice people, I guess. But on the whole, if you're a nice person. You, you know, the best piece of advice I've ever had was from my mum, which was be nice to everyone on the way up because you may well need them on the way down. Mm-hmm. She told me that probably 30 years ago, and I've always lived my life by that. And again, I, I've benefited from that because mm-hmm. go back to working in the warehouse, you know, I'll bump into people now that I worked in the warehouse for two years. You know, I'll stop, I'll talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I'm, I own this business, but... I'll, I'll talk to the drivers, I'll talk to the, you know, nobody's better than anyone else. I, mm. I, I, I really hate, I get on with most people, but I, I really hate people. Oh, well, I don't really hate, that's a bit strong. I don't get on well with people who think they're bet, better than me. Yeah. I think that's the worst trait you can have, mm. thinking it's, you're better than someone. It's, it's, do you know what, and, and actually, I, you know, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned Dad earlier and I, you know, said about some of his sayings around uh, are you a man or a mouse, but actually, you know, really relate to what you're saying there because, and it comes into my head and it's always been there and that is manners make the man. And that dad has always said that. And so, you know, some of the old school values are really good. You know, manners make the man, you know, and I don't really care if I'll, I'll open the door for a man or woman, whatever creed or or color or or anything, you know, I'll open the door and there's plenty of people out there now going, Oh, you shouldn't open the door for them. They can open their own door and stuff. Do you know what? I'm opening the door because I'm a nice guy, not because I think she needs a door opening for her, just because it's a nice thing to do for people. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. I was, I was taught, taught at school to open the door for people, and I was taught yeah. to do it now. And if somebody, if somebody says, well, why are you opening the door? I can open the door myself. You, <laughs> all right. <whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're missing the point, though. I'm just being yeah. nice. <laughs> um, yeah. What is the downside to being nice? I just don't understand it. 
No, no. There, and there is no downside, is there? That, that's no, the thing. The, the People down- might take advantage of you, but more for them because you just know not to be nice to them next time, which actually brings us really nicely onto our next point, uh, particularly when we talk about ourselves and talk about partnerships going wrong and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So t- tell me a bit more about that, Ollie. So after my accident in 97, uh, obviously it took me probably 18 months to get properly back. I, I went back to Australia um, just to exercise demons, if you like, of, you know, because I, I sat, I got off the plane, went into the pub, fell off the balcony, um, came out of hospital, came home, kind of missing something. So I went, I went back. I, again, I was not really sure what I was doing in life. I uh, came back, had the opportunity to start a business with a, a, a school friend um, who was starting a freight forwarding business. Um, if I'm honest, it was a real 50-50 decision because I wanted to go back to Australia. Um, so I was born in England. My sister was born in Australia. She's got an Australian passport, got an English passport. If I had my Australian passport, I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be sitting here now. Mm-hmm. I was settled there. I'd been I'd been in Australia for just under a year, I think. I was um, I was settled there. I wanted to live there. I wanted to stay there. Came back, didn't know what I was doing. Had this opportunity, start the business. Um, it really was 50-50, but I went with it um, because the guy who I'd known from school, you know, good guy, nice guy, um, very driven, very intelligent, very good at what he did. Um, I recognised that my skills were very different to his. Um, he, I don't know if he did recognise that, but Ollie Magnus, Magnus Group, was you know my dad had the business it it gave us a leg up um into you know we were two guys that started in a, in a garage with no business we had the magnus group as a as a sister company as he referred to it, to to back us up it gives you it gives you a, a massive leg up uh, we built a business from absolutely nothing in 15 years to sort of 15 16 million turnover very successful worked very well as a partnership as i said earlier good guy clever guy and then it just got to a situation where uh, i was put in a position where i have to word this correctly where i had to justify my own existence in my own business of which i own 50 percent um so I was put in a position. I was basically put in a bit of an untenable position where, again, I have to tread carefully. Where I had to prove, I had to prove to third-party people that I was, in his words, as much value to the business as he was, and it was all a financial, you know, the the. It was all about money, basically. Um, he he's his view was he worked harder than me so should be paid more than me but in a 50 50 partnership did it work as a partnership clearly it did you know we started as two guys um and and built a very successful business um my view was why would you rock the boat Mm. we were earning good money i i I don't mind admitting i probably earn 40 percent now of what I was earning then to be put in that position. You talk about 
mental health. You talk about uh, falling off a balcony. You talk about uh, your heart stopping. To be put in a position where you are made to feel undervalued, unappreciated, and you have to sit in front of somebody who, a business consultant who has come in and you have to sit there and justify your existence in a business is worse mentally than spending three months in hospital, having flashbacks, things like that. That had a bigger effect on me and probably still has, yeah. to be honest. Um, to cut a long story short, the, the guy came in, spent a long time and money. You know, you're talking thousands of pounds that the company spent for me to have to prove my worth to the business that we were 50 50 um which was great for me you know we i'm not being funny stevie wonder could see that we complemented each other um very different strengths you know i've got so many weaknesses genuinely but i've also got strengths you know yeah. My personality is always to focus on the weaknesses rather than the strengths. But without being funny, I had, I've had 15 years of being told I was pretty shit at certain things. Um, and I believed it, you know, uh, the mental strain on believing that you're not very good at something because you're constantly told that is, is horrific. You know, I, 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 I'm not... I'm honest, I'm, it, it really, really affected me. And when I left that business, um, I left that business under a cloud. It, my opinion is it could have been handled so much better. You know, these things happen, partnerships, it's like a marriage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, n not everybody has a perfect marriage. Yeah. Um, not every business relationship is a perfect relationship, but you have to deal with it and understand Everybody has different strengths and different weaknesses, but that affected me hugely. And I left there, I left there, uh, the wheel had been spun and it, the balls fell in my favor, um, but it left a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, I said earlier, it, it, was it about money? I don't know, you'd have to, it certainly appeared that way to me, but I'm massive massively big on trust and loyalty and friendships you know when i when my funeral is which whatever that may be it may be next week it may be 30 40 years whatever i want people to say do you know what ollie's a ollie's a real good guy i like yeah. him i don't want people to say god he made a few quid but he fucked a lot of people over yeah. you know i'm not suggesting anybody's doing that i'm just saying that's for my personal reputation that is more important to me and that goes back to being too nice wanting to wanting to be liked mm. now if that is a weakness of mine so so be it but i i would know friendship is so important to me and and trust mm. and, and loyalty mm. um you know that that went wrong however do you know what he he's a good guy we don't talk now we don't talk i've i've, I've probably seen him once in nearly two years really sad we were we were we weren't great friends before we were we were friends um but 
I just think it's really sad the way it was all handled. Uh, yeah. Business is business, but friendship is friendship is more important to me. Yeah, um, and that's that's what we'll, we'll talk about later on, on how I've developed my business here. Mm. Um, it is on friendship and, and you know, I've le- I learned a lot out of that. And I, you know, I, I thank him for everything he helped me to achieve. I, I learned a hell of a lot out of it. I learned a hell of a lot of how not to do things, mm. uh, but I learned a hell of a lot of how to do things. We're, yeah. we're successful. It didn't need to end that way. Uh, mm. I totally get I frustrated him yeah. because we were two different people, but two different people work well. Um, but fuck, did he frustrate me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think what you say is what you say is absolutely right, though. You know, you you can make a few quid and still be a decent person and still do the right thing for other people and do the right thing by other people. And do you know what? If you make a few less quid by being that way, I'd sooner be that way as well. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, money money is important to everyone. But money, I, I genuinely, and, and people can believe me or not believe me, money's not important to me. Ha, mm. uh, having fun and friendship and enjoying life is more important to me than sitting on a on a yacht in Barbados while people are back in the office working their nuts off. Mm. Um, you know, I'd, ra- I'd rather have fun. Um, we all need money, yes. Um, I have responsibilities out as does everyone, you know, we all have mortgages, we all, you know, I've got kids in school, I've got this, I've got that. We were, it's all relative, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, once you pay them off, then it's about enjoying life because life is really short. Mm. Life is really short and it's shorter for some people than it is for mm. others. Yeah. And my, my dad died at 71. Back 20 years ago, we'd say, uh, yeah, it's not bad innings. Now, if yeah. it hasn't got an eight or a nine in it, You'd say, oh, they've gone, gone too early. Yeah. But you don't know, what's, don't know what's around the corner. None of us know what's around the corner. And I'm a big believer in, in live your life. Live it right yeah. now, yeah, yeah. yeah. So with, with, with what you were saying then, so moving on to the next area, which is self-confidence. Um, obviously, with, with what's happened, that must have had a, a massive impact on, on, on your confidence with you know, someone being, uh, being so negative and, and challenging, challenging your, your very... Um, uh, how, how things have been so how how have you uh how, how have things gone now how are you like sort of building that back up because obviously you're, you're back at you're back on top now right yeah uh do you know what i've achieved a lot of things in my life i fucked a lot of things up as well as we all have um but one one of my biggest achievements i think is is rebuilding my confidence so when i back to the accident in 97 my confidence you come out at seven stone, you can't walk. You, you know, pe- people knew. You know, I was on the front page of the local um, Evening Star in Ipswich for two or three times a week. Um, so I became infamous uh, as Ollie Magnus, who fell off the balcony. People still say it to me now, um, and it's embarrassing. You know, it's really embarrassing. Um, so my that knocks your confidence. Um, then I kind of went away and built my confidence up. And then I went into this business, um, which, as I say, it, it was a successful business, but it wasn't, it was with, well, I knew it at the time, but with hindsight, it wasn't good for my confidence, you know? And again, that, that wasn't, that was so much my fault, so much my fault that I allowed all that to happen. You know, two very different characters, 
one strong, if you like, stronger character. I was happy to sit, to sit behind. Um, but I allowed that situation to happen because I wasn't a confident person. Yeah. But um, I was still re- but will be rebuilding my confidence. Um, and it got worse and it got worse and worse. And when, when somebody is telling you they're not necessarily telling me, but the intimation is they're better than you and you believe that, that just makes you less and less confident in yourself. When I left that business in 2018, um, I was really low. I'd had a, I didn't know what I was doing. I knew I had to get out, but I always think of it like a, a, a boxer. I was on the ropes massively, mentally, not physically, but mentally I was on the ropes and to pull myself up, make no mistake, what I've done here is a huge gamble, huge gamble. Magnus Group was, was on its knees. You know, Magnus Group was, was, you know, the guy I bought the shares from was 74. My dad had died at 71. It was just flatlining. But I saw the opportunity in here and I saw it as my opportunity to come in here and and take it on. But to do that, I had to do something that was very alien to me at the time, was to come in and with the confidence that I could do it. Mm. Um, And that's a real difficult thing to make yourself believe that you can really do it yes i would had a bit of money from selling my business i bought the shares anyone can do that yes i'm ollie magnus um magnus family son of the guy who started it you know i i'm fortunate that i had that legacy to to build on but i didn't i still didn't have that full belief in myself that i could do it but do you know what? I made myself have that belief that I could do it. And I started off, I started, you know, I, I'm, I'm an inherent gambler. One of my advices, my wife will be listening to this, she'll be squirming. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you like though, poker? Uh, no, uh, it's got to have four legs. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, hence the horse behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah massively into the horses. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, I've been to Vegas. I think Vegas is nearly as overrated as Oldborough, to be honest. I want to go Vegas. Do you know what, though? After this, right, and after this is all over, we'll go races, yeah? We'll go Newmarket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds uh, like a plan. I love it. I absolutely love it. But, but I've, I've always been that what's the worst that can happen mantra. I've probably, in the last two years, I've probably been more so because, to you know, I've invested every single penny I've got myself in this business. But, I'm not stupid. I'll always back the right horse. I knew the opportunity was here. I knew I could, as the son of the owner, you know, it it was started as a family business. It totally lost its identity for probably 15, 20 years. My dad was nothing to do with it for seven years. The partner that I bought out was not part of the family. He was not interested in running it as a family business, which I understand because He's not part of the Magnus family. Yeah. He, I've taken him out, or I haven't taken him out. I've bought him out, and and suddenly, you know, my dad left his shares to my stepmom. So effectively, by buying forty percent of this business, I've bought eighty yeah. percent. You know, because it's back in the Magnus family. I was the only person on the planet that would buy forty percent of a business. Why would you? You know, um, um, and I just built on that. I just, you know, I, I'm the first person to to say I'm really stupid 
Um, I'm very self-detrimental, but I'm not, you know, I, I came in here with a plan and that plan was to, to increase the, the image to the outside world. You know, I, had, I, had, I was very lucky. I had something to build on, but you make your own luck. And it was a massive gamble, huge mm -hmm. gamble. And, and as I sit here right now, I, I, it's still a gamble. You know, I haven't, I haven't made this into a success and, and I won't rest in, until I do. But it, it, it was just an opportunity. Just get the identity out there, get the branding out there. You know, we had, I had people in here, Cunan Argyle, massive freight forwarder. They, they sat in my boardroom and, and said that they'd Googled um, warehouses and transport companies within a 50 mile radius of Felixstowe. Magnus Group didn't even come up on page three. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy just because it just been left to tick along, if you like, at best. Now, tick along is not, not what I'm here to do. I'm here to, to, to build it up, to be, yeah. to be the best, if you like. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's an unbelievable opportunity. Um, but I, I, I'm really proud of myself of how I've what's that, turned, turned, made myself, you know, we were talking earlier about not being someone you're not. Yeah, I've kind of made myself someone into who I'm not, but I really am. If yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Does that makes sense. You know. I, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely does. Yeah, no, you've. It's sort of that deeper level, isn't it? It's that deeper level that yeah. that that real grit and determination of. Do you know what? Like, regardless of how much I may like myself from time to time, when I look in the mirror, do you know what? I know I've got this, and I can make this happen, and I've I've got that burning desire to make it happen in, inside of me, and that that will drive it. That's, yeah, um, I, I was like, if you tell me I can't do something, I'll do it. Just to prove yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's the competitive nature I have yeah. that I get from my dad. I play golf yeah. for my dad. I, I, obviously, that now I did then. Um, and he'd leave a two foot putt where you or I would go, Yeah, you can have that. You go, No, you fucking putt that. And do you know what? I'd miss it. <laughs> so next time, he made me do it again. But it's that competitive nature, yeah. you know, who very competitive. He, he ne never want to. Uh, I would say, actually, weirdly, I'm probably more competitive than he, he was. Yeah. Um, when I play football, when I play cricket, I, I'm, I'm the world's worst loser. I'm yeah. the world's worst loser. Um, and that that's the Australian in me. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, Who'd you follow in the Ashes? Uh, England. I, I'm English. Okay. I'm, I'll never ever. Yeah. However, I did support Australia in the 2003 World Cup um, and uh, England won, obviously. But again, I, I wanted, I wasn't really sure where I was going, what I was doing. I wanted to, you know, supporting Australia. I'm English, 100% English. I'm a yeah. massive, massive England cricket fan. So follow them round. Um, but man. I do have parts of, parts of, the Australian uh, nature in there. So rebuilding, and, and I know more than anyone, like transport and logistics, people who aren't in it might look at it and think that's an easy gig, you know, these big trucks running up and down mm. the motorway, but it's a tough gig. It's yeah. a really, really tough gig. And anyone who's not in the industry will just not understand that how tight the margins are, how tough it is, how difficult it can be to get the right people and to look after the right people and keep them on board. So your fifth area is around building team, your team and teamwork and what have you. Obviously, 
you're in a very competitive area as well, which is something that people who aren't in the industry won't really understand. But Felixstowe Docks, it's a very, very competitive area, isn't it? You've yeah. got a lot of you've got a lot of uh, transport and logistics company right on your doorstep. You're probably fighting for talent quite a bit. But actually, I love the way that you're approaching stuff because I know that's why you're attracting and retaining the right talent because you're treating it like a family business and people want that. They don't want to work for the big corporates. Are you able to just explain sort of how how you're, how you're sort of going about that, Ollie? So I said earlier how I came in with a plan. Um, you know, my plan, my plan here was, so my previous business wasn't really a team. Um, there was the two directors uh, and there was no structure to the business at all. Got to say, I never agreed with that. I always wanted structure blah 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 i came here and there was no structure at all if you did an organogram of this business it would look like a lamppost you know you had you had the md and my view rightly or wrongly is you need a structure in a business the people in the business need a structure they need a reporting line yeah. without a structure there's no accountability now when i walked in here um there was zero accountability um because there was no structure, you know, there was there was an MD here who's who's still here, and he was on his own pretty much. The guy I bought the shares would come in one day a week, throw a few hand grenades, and fuck off. Um, and, but when there's no accountability, people do can do what they want, knowing they get away with it. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I just mean it's human nature, isn't it? If you, you know, it, accountability focuses the mind, doesn't it? You know, somebody could could pick a wrong pallet in the warehouse that went to uh, Ireland when it should have gone to Brighton, and then the, the, there's not, nothing comes on the back of it. You know, nobody a because they probably don't know who's done it, and b the drive and the ambition to make yourself better is not was not there. Um, so I came in with a confirmed plan that I wanted to bring sector specific people to come and work for me i had a two-year plan in july last year now in july the first this year i completed that i had um mark oakley come who works for me he's head of warehousing he's my doorman he's my ying to my yang um i'm quite happy going out with him because he's a lot bigger than me I've got Matt Hope here, who runs my forwarding department. Um, and I've got Martin Gomesall, who runs my transport department. Now, my recruitment's over now. Um, I've got a head of finance, Andy Burton. Um, so I've got four departments within my department. So hopefully, I, never, I don't need to recruit anymore. But the deal I gave them was that they run their own departments. They're answerable to me. Um, if their department, but they hire, they fire, they do what they want, and we sit down in the boardroom and we go through the figures for each department. Now, all three of these guys um, absolutely could have gone anywhere they wanted. Um, somebody even sent me a message on LinkedIn the other day to say, you're talking about your tip, they're only coming for the money, which really pissed me off. A, because all three of them have not come here for the money, because all three of them got offered more money to stay where they were. They came here because they saw the opportunity and, and the fabulous opportunity that Magnus Group is. But more importantly for me, they came because they trusted me. Yeah. They want to work for me. 
I wanted to work for them. And that's the trust and that's the respect. Um, you know, I, I sold them the dream that uh, I, will, I will always let them get on and run their own departments. I want them to be, you know, Mark is a director of the business now. Um, I'd like the others, I'd like to have a, I'd like to have a boardroom full of experts and we're a team mm. and we're not, it's not about, Magnus Group is not about Ollie Magnus. Magnus yep. Group is about everyone. Yeah. Okay. Um, for it to be about everyone, you have to have a strong management team. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think I have the best people around this area heading up each department. Now, I'm hugely lucky that I've got them here, but you can also say I've earned that right to be lucky because they've come to work for me when they could easily have gone and, and yeah. done other things. And that goes back to the, to the advice from my mum of be nice to everyone on the way up because yeah. you need them on the way down. If I was an arsehole, make no mistake, none of them would be here. Yeah. Um, and with a, with, a, with a strong management team, that you set the platform to become a very, very good business. Um, we're in, we're not there now by any stretch of the imagination. It's a, it's a long journey, but I've only been here 18 months. You know, I'm trying to turn around. I say, I always say this business, it's like turning the Titanic. As mm. soon as we unleash it, it will go. I maybe underestimated that. And it's actually three Titanics or more together. And it's taking a bit longer. Um, uh, but I'm hugely impatient. I want it to happen, but it will happen. I'm, yeah. I'm convinced. I know it will happen. You know, uh, uh, somebody was telling me yesterday that people, some staff read, read my LinkedIn posts where, you know, sometimes my honesty backfires on me a little bit, maybe, because they, they look at that and some people get a bit twitchy because I'm saying, oh, this hasn't happened. This, uh, you know, but, but that's, the, that's the journey I've decided to go to, down to be open and be, be honest. Um, and 100%, I, I'm a massive worry. I, I, I don't sleep well. I worry about things. I worry, I worry about my kids going to school or, you know, I won't let my daughter walk home on her own because I'm a massive worrier. But I'm not worried about this place at all. Um, the only worry I have is the longer it, it goes on where we haven't turned that corner and we haven't turned that corner but it is so close it is so close and i've got people in place to to make that happen if if it doesn't happen with the people i have here then houdini wouldn't make it happen um but it will happen pete yeah honestly it will do and when it happens when it happens i i will personally relax yeah. a bit more you know, I, I, I put myself under huge pressure back to the, to the mental health thing again. You know, I, I put myself under huge pressure to make this work. I put everything I own, every, every part, of, part of me into making this biz, business. And when that Titanic turns, mentally, I will be in a much better place because I can feel comfortable that I've achieved something. And why do I feel something... Why do I? Why would I feel comfortable when I've achieved something? It's because I still don't have that belief in myself that I can yeah. do that. Yeah, it's a crusade, right? Yeah, it is a crusade, but Love it's a, it's a bit sad that I still I still have to prove to myself and to others that I can do that. 
You know, yeah. I've put too much pressure on myself. People put pressure on me. I put too much pressure on myself. Yeah. Um, and only then will I be happy that I've achieved something. No, good for you. Good for you. So the final thing is, what does the future look like? What's the future look like for Ollie Magnus and Magnus Group? And <laughs> it depends if I if I turn the Titanic, doesn't it? Um, you know, what does the future hold for for Ollie Magnus? Ollie Magnus will be a lot happier person when Magnus Group is where I want it to be. Good, yeah. Um, where will Ma- where will Magnus Group be? Uh, again, what I said earlier, I'm an inherent gambler. I, when I do something, I want to do it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not here. I'm not here to just um, pay my mortgage, to pay my kids through school, have a few beers. I'm here to make this business a really good business, mm-hmm. something that I'm proud of. Shall yeah. we say? Um, yeah. And the people who work for me, I. I the journey is, is not for me. It's for, you know, I mean, the journey is for everyone. And running a business, a successful business, is a hell of a lot more fun than it is when it's not making money. Um, I, I came here, I wanted to, to bring the, the family feel back to, to Magnus Group. I wanted, you know, I, I do think I live in Narnia sometimes. I want people to be knocking on the door saying they want to work here because it looks a fun place to be. I, I want to work hard. I want to play hard. Um, yeah. Life's to be enjoyed. Yes, I work 60 hour plus a week at the moment. Um, I certainly don't want to be going, giving that up. I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy mm-hmm. work so much more now than I ever did in my previous business. Yeah. And it's not about the money because I don't, I, I, I earn a lot less money than I do. But yeah. enjoying enjoying your work is so much more important, and I want people who work for me to enjoy it. And I mm. think they they've lost that in the in the past. Um, and yeah, I want everybody to feel part of this business. You know, absolutely one hundred percent. It's not about Ollie Magnus. It's about Magnus yeah. Group. It's about being being part of a journey, and everybody has an involvement in that from the top to the bottom, to the drivers, to the warehouse guys. You know, the most important people here are the drivers and the, the warehouse guys. They're as important as me. They're as important as the other. And we're, we're all part of the same team. Brilliant. So. Love that, Ollie. Thank you. Ollie, you've been an absolutely incredible guest. Um, you can you can, re- you can relax now. <laughs> no, you've done a fantastic job. We have we have just creeped over the hour mark, but do you know what? It's been absolute gold, absolute gold. Um, and, uh, and and I really thank you for joining me. Um, to to the, the listeners, uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's session. Uh, if, if you have, then please do drop us a comment. Connect with Ollie on LinkedIn. I think uh, he's a fantastic person to follow. Uh, so yeah, that's Ollie Magnus on LinkedIn. Uh, follow the podcast and share it with uh, with your friends. And uh, yeah, catch you all next week. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Ollie. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.